Did you miss Canty and Carlin? It is Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, presented by our good friends at Progressive Insurance. He is Braden Gaw. I'm Matt Jones. We are enjoying a beautiful afternoon, or at least it's beautiful here in Lexington, Kentucky, and Nashville, Tennessee. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. beautiful where you are, but I hope it is because I want you to be happy. person who makes me happy is Trevor Maddich, ESPN's college football analyst. He is the host of Game Day on ESPN Radio, Saturdays at noon during the college football season where you can get all the information. Trevor, let's get started. The AP Top 25 came out. Same three teams that feel like they've been the top three for the last few years remain, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. Am I just going to assume that these are going to be the top three teams for the next five years, or can I get can some other program break into that threesome this season and maybe try to get involved in being the top? Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you two. One of them is Clemson, strangely enough. Now Clemson not necessarily a dark horse, except last year they had a terrible down season where they only won ten games. But a big part of that was that they had epic injuries. I mean, epic on the offensive line. The wide receivers were banged up and hurt. Their offense never really had a chance to get going. Well, a lot of the guys that had to play last year for Clemson on offense are now back with experience to go with a defense that will be one of the very best in the country. And Clemson has a chance to, to once again break their way into the top four. But I'll give you one that's kind of off the radar a little bit, and that's Oregon. Out West, people are thinking Utah in the Pac-12, maybe USC with all the new glitzy firepower they brought in. But Oregon, very quietly, has built one of the best combinations of offensive line and defensive front seven in all of college football. And if they can get the quarterback situation squared away, probably Bo Nix to start with, this is a team that could go out and be a bigger threat to Georgia in week one than a lot of Bulldog fans really realize. And if they can pull that off, you may see Oregon knocking at the door of that party as well. You look at Notre Dame, Trevor, as a top five team in the AP poll. I think, you know, I agree with Feinbaum that that's a little too rich for my blood. But first-year head coach Marcus Freeman names his starting quarterback. Tyler Buckner, a lot of talent, a lot of ability there. Great offensive line. You know they're going to be good on defense. Do you like where they're ranked? Is the schedule there for them to get back into the playoff conversation? Obviously, they're going to play Ohio State as a heavy underdog in week one. What do you make of Notre Dame's ranking? Yeah, I think that's too high right now. And the reason is there are too many question marks at quarterback and receiver. They lost one of their top receivers to injury uh, for the season. And at quarterback, Tyler Buckner has all the potential in the world. But potential is really all it is. We have seen him play mostly as a runner. When he has thrown the ball for Notre Dame, it's been extremely exciting not just for Notre Dame fans, but for the opponent's fans as well, because you never knew where it was going to land. Now, he has a huge arm, Tyler Buckner does. He's got the ability to throw that ball deep down the field. But until I see him perform not just as a thrower, but as a quarterback, being able to place the ball where it needs to be on time with the right trajectory based on the defense, all those things that are the art of quarterbacking, beyond just the ability as a runner to light everything up with some big highlights. Those are the things I need to see from him before I would put Notre Dame even really in the top 10. I'd have him just outside of the top 10 until I see that from Buckner. Trevor Maddich, ESPN's college football analyst. If you were to be on here six years ago, 
outside of Vanderbilt, the bottom three teams in the SEC would have been probably Ole Miss, Kentucky, and Arkansas. Now, Ole Miss and Kentucky and Arkansas are all ranked the preseason top 25, and LSU, Florida, and Auburn are picked as three of the worst teams in the conference. Is this just like a one- or two-year blip, or is this something where outside of Alabama and Georgia, the SEC is becoming a lot more balanced? No, I, I think the SEC has always been a team that's had multiple teams avail, are able to rise up and perform at a, at a high national level. I mean, we, we think of Alabama and then Georgia, but they had five teams win the national championship in the space of, what, about 12 years? LSU did it. Florida did it. You know, it, it, it's just the – the but don't you think, the Trevor, though, that those Alabama... mid-level to lo- – don't you think those mid- to low-level teams, though, like Kentucky, Arkansas, Miss, Mississippi State, don't you think that they have risen a lot in recent years? And if so, why? Well, they absolutely have. And in some cases, I mean, you look at Kentucky with Mark Stoops, it's been continuity at the coaching staff and commitment from the administration. He, he, Stoops knows exactly what he wants to be, and that is boring. They have very quietly become <laughs> – a school that produces year in and year out one of the best offensive lines in the SEC, although this year they'll have to plug in some new guys, one of the toughest running games, one of the most physical defenses, and that so far has not been good enough to get them to the SEC championship game. But it has been good enough to get them to 8, 9, 10 wins a season very consistently. Arkansas, I still want to see what's going to happen there because that same formula of being just incredibly physical, uh, that's great unless your plan is to be more physical than Alabama, be, be more of what Alabama is than Alabama is going to be, right? And so Arkansas, I think, last year rose up because K.J. Jefferson at quarterback throwing the ball to Traylon Burks provided a passing attack that complemented the physicality that Coach Pittman is building out there. Now with Burks off to the NFL, we'll see how they do. But you're right. I mean, the, the, that middle part of the SEC keeps getting better. And I think maybe if you want to look at it from 30,000 feet, part of the reason, the whole concept of the SEC, it just means more. They get more embarrassed than anybody else, I think, in the country, the SEC, for getting the, their nose driven into the ground by an opponent and then their head being held there while the opponent laughs at how much dirt they're eating. Well, that's going to happen to you in the SEC if you don't build up your physicality and if you don't become a better team. I think that's just one of the reasons the commitment is so big, not just to win, but to not get embarrassed that you're seeing so many teams that have been embarrassed in the recent past a little bit by the top teams in the league are rising up. It it certainly helps to have uh, more money and better football players uh, than all the other teams and all the other conferences as well. Yeah, better big guys that can run, Brady. You know the SEC. I think what they do is they they don't feed – they don't feed formula and milk to the babies in the SEC recruiting profile. They, they take steak, puree it, and put it in a sippy cup. Yep, and then it's just nothing but cornbread and cornbread and red meat. That's exactly what it is. Uh, Trevor, of the big three, Ohio State, Bama, and Georgia, right now in the preseason, I'm with Matt. Those are probably going to be the big three the entire season. Which one is most likely to falter? The one most likely to falter, I think, is uh, it's going to be either Ohio State – or Georgia, uh, because there are questions to answer. Ohio State's big question is on the defensive side of the ball. They have sort of become the Big Ten's version of Oklahoma, where the offense has been fantastic, but the defense has really let them down. Now they brought in a 
a Big 12 defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, and he's had tremendous success at Oklahoma State. So we'll see if that defense can rise up. But, again, until they do it, they can't, right? And they haven't been able to on defense for a while. For Georgia, it's just a matter of reloading. And I think they're going to be okay. For, to me, the, the defense of Georgia will be fine. The ceiling really will be determined by how the wide receivers step up. With Jermaine Burton, wide receiver, transferring to Alabama, you know, they, they're going to have to have guys on the edge that can take the pressure off of a, what might be the best tight end room in all of college football. And if those guys, those fast receivers on the edge for Georgia, if they can step up and become playmakers, then I don't think Georgia will falter. But that's the thing I need to see from them. Georgia tight ends are nasty. They're all as big as a house and can run. They're impressive. Trevor Maddich, ESPN's college football analyst, be on game days on Saturdays. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. There you go. I saw Georgia had a freshman tight end last year who I thought looked like he could play in the NFL immediately. And he, they, they they have three that are all American caliber. It's ridiculous. I know it's doing. crazy. Yeah. It, it's not fair. It's not fair. Somebody should fix all that. Now there are other things we should fix, which is the world of the NFL. What's been going on in these training camps? You know, Braden went to one. That's how big he is. He just went ahead and went to him because that's what he does. But what about the rest of it? We will get into all of it. That's here next on ESPN Radio. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Check out Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. It is Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Matt Jones. He's Braden Gall. This segment, we were going to talk a lot about college football, and we were trying to figure out where do we lead, and Braden Gall, who I believe is now paid by the University of Georgia Whoa. in some sort of PR capacity, nope, said that he like wanted to make sure – that we talk about the Georgia Bulldogs because you believe the Georgia Bulldogs and their uh, frat boy quarterback, Stetson Bennett, <laughs> are being disrespected. Now, of course, I could give you the facts that they had eight defensive starters drafted the NFL, including six in the first two rounds, setting a record. And then it might be difficult to replace those guys, but mm. you still say you think there's too much disrespect happening in Athens. Well, I think I, I certainly think Kirby Smart is playing up all the disrespect. I, I think it's not frat boy; it's more lax bro. I think um, Stetson. Okay, Bennett, sorry, lax he's bro. On, yeah, he's on the lax team with uh, the all the other quarterbacks on the Georgia roster. Uh, Gunner and uh, you know those kind of guys. Stetson and Gunner; those are the guys that are on the lax team. No, I think Georgia. They also had a record 15 NFL players drafted off both sides of the ball. So, to your point, they're replacing a lot. But they have recruited better than everybody else in college football, and that includes Alabama. 
and they've got their quarterback coming back. And if anybody else had won the national championship with that level of recruiting and roster, with that level of coach and a quarterback coming back, I'm not sure we'd be just sort of picking Alabama and Ohio State. We'd be picking the defending champs to be to be to have more of a conversation about them. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people are picking them. Maybe people do think they make the playoff and compete for the national championship. I think they play in the natty again. I, I think they're better than Ohio State, and I don't. I, I think that there should be more of a conversation about Bama versus Georgia, not just giving it to Bama. That's all. Well, I think that's – I mean, I, I could easily see them playing in the national championship again. But I do think two things. One, they maybe had the best defense of all time last year. I mean, that's genuinely possible. And I remember it was only a couple years ago, LSU maybe had the best offense of all time. Yeah. And then when that, when that group left, everybody said, well, I mean, they may, won't be quite as good, but they're still going to be great. And they took a huge jump backwards. Now, I don't expect that to happen for Georgia – but when you have a historically great group, it's not necessarily easy to just replace. The counter to that, though, is Georgia's got maybe the easiest schedule in the country. I mean, if you look at that schedule, not only do they play the teams in the East, and while the East is better, it's still not great past Georgia. Florida's down. Tennessee's a little better, but they're not the Tennessee of 10 years ago. Kentucky's decent. South Carolina's decent. Missouri and Vandy are terrible. And then – on the West side, they get an Auburn team that is potentially going to finish last in the West and a Mississippi State team that's Mississippi State. So you look at that schedule and you go, where are they going to lose? They play Oregon early in the year, but that game's in Atlanta, so that might as well be a home game. They have only t- – so I always look and say, when could you lose on the road? And there's only two games that I could even fathom them losing on the road, and that's Mississippi State or Kentucky, and they're going to be heavy favorites in both of those. So I, I'm not – I think they could be – it's kind of like we were talking about the Titans. I think they could be significantly worse and Braden still go undefeated, which is an amazing thing, but that's what that schedule is. I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. But if you get to Atlanta at 12-0 and 0, and you are 12-0, and 0, you have to make assumptions in college football about certain yeah, things. Yeah, they'll be in the playoff. If they're 12-0, and 0, they're getting, A, they'll be in the playoff, but B, it also means they replaced all that talent, right? Like if they, if well, they, does it, though? I mean, but none yes, of those games. Yes. If, if but they which of those back, games do you no, have no, no. to be if, great to win? Which of those they, games do you, you have just, to be great to win? You just got done talking about how good Mississippi State is last segment. So you don't get to say no, last they're segment decent, that Mississippi State is better decent, than ever before. But they're decent, but they're not top ten, Brady. They're no, decent. of course not. But on the road, you, any, any team in any conference can lose to anybody on the road, especially if they've got a good quarterback like Mississippi State has or Kentucky. Kentucky's got the good quarterback as well, both at home, late in the year. I'm, my point is that you have to make an assumption about Georgia. And if you're going to make and any team in college football, if they're going to get to 12-0 and and they're playing in Atlanta in the SEC championship game against Alabama, they will have solved all of these problems, even with a light schedule. Oregon is not a pushover. They're a top-10 team that is going to be a potential contender in the Pac-12. Like, I'm not suggesting the schedule's tough. What I'm saying is is that they will have developed pieces. They've got the number one overall pick, potentially, in Jalen Carter. Nolan Smith is back. Like, they've got all these guys that are future NFL players on defense. And a returning starter at quarterback with one of the best offensive lines in America, the best tight end room in America. Like, I'm just – I just kind of think we're we're just giving it to Alabama and Ohio well, State and overlooking Georgia a little bit. That's all. Well, I, I I don't disagree with you that they'll make the playoff and that they'll be very good. But I what where you and I would disagree is you can go twelve and zero on some schedules and not be that great. 
I mean, again, I don't mean totally to be true. mean. No, no, no. That's I don't mean true. to be. I don't Cincinnati. mean to be mean to the people about Cincinnati, but that's <laughs> what I'm saying. So the way I look at these games is, I always say, what is a losable game? Yeah, theoretically, can you lose every game? Sure, but they're not losing at Vandy, and they're not losing in the in against Florida in the in the neutral game. So they have two road games, two that they have to play at Mississippi State and at Kentucky. And look, could they lose those games? They could. But those, in my opinion, are really the only two losable games on their schedule. So before I anoint a team as great, if you only have to play Mississippi State and Kentucky and, and to, as a losable game, I just it's hard for me to believe that you're going to be great. Now, but with that said, the, uh, 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 an interesting question, though, is who's the fourth that joins them? Because I think yeah. we agree that Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State are all going to probably be there. The fourth one, though, isn't it, Brayden? Isn't it wide open? It, I mean, it, this is – so I, I work at Athlon Sports Preseason Magazine I have for 15 years, and we have never had a more difficult time picking the fourth team than this year. Anybody – like, you could go Clemson, you could go NC State, you can go Miami from the ACC. Uh, Wake Forest took a big step back, of course, without now Sam Hartman getting hurt, their star quarterback. The, in the Pac-12, you could go Oregon, USC, Utah, all of whom have an opportunity to get there. In the Big 12, you can go Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, maybe even throw Texas in there, famous last words, of course. And even in the SEC, like, there, like, is Michigan good enough? Is there a group of five team? To me, there are 25 teams that you could make the case and not sound like a complete moron and, and say this is a team that's going to get to the playoff. Like, I, I don't – I've never seen a year where we've got four through 25. And even then, there's some teams outside of the top 25 because last year Michigan was outside of the preseason top 25. I, there's still – there's 30 teams that could get to that fourth spot in theory. And I think that's going to make for one really interesting regular season and maybe a really bad playoff game. <laughs> yeah, it's just hard for me to see which of those teams. It, 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 well, I just look at it and say which one's got the best chance of going undefeated because, you know, I, I you, you could make an argument A&M is the fourth best team, but they yep. won't make it. They won't make it probably because they'll have yep. to play in the SEC. I mean, you could make the argument that Kentucky, Arkansas are – you know, the 12th and 13th best team, but they're not going to make it. So the question is, who's got the best chance to go undefeated? It's probably Braden Clemson, isn't it? Just because they're in the ACC, and I think the ACC stinks. I would go Clemson, but then I would also – I would go Utah number one. Uh, well, number four, I should say. But Utah will be my top pick. Really? You think Utah's got a good shot of beating Oregon and USC? Because they're going to have a non-conference win over Florida on the they road. Might, yep. They and might. if they in week number one, if Utah goes on the road and beats Florida, which again not a great Florida team, but maybe a seven or eight win team, whatever, an average Florida team, but a road win over an SEC opponent on your resume, then gives you a chance to lose one game in the conference. And if you go twelve and one as a Pac-12 champion with a like with a star quarterback, one of the best offensive lines in the country, a great defense, and a head coach that is maybe the best in college football that no one talks about, Kyle Whittingham, shout out. I, th- that Utah team has absolutely got a path to the playoffs. So I think Utah would be my pick, but I'm with you. Clemson's fine. A&M might be number four. The point is you can – Michigan is a really good football team, but they have to go through Ohio State. So can they stay – is Michigan 11-0 and when they go to the horseshoe at the end of the year? If they are, then they can get in even with a loss to Ohio State. So it, it's completely wide open for number four. Well, it is. And you know what else is wide open? Your chance to win with FanDuel. You can start the second half of the baseball season the right way and turn K's into cash and big hits into big wins. That's right. It's the FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers 
can step up the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up using the promo code PLAY. You place your first bet, FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in match bets if you don't win. That's crazy, but that's what they do because they're FanDuel. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up, but use the promo code PLAY to get started with your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 from FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, West Virginia, or Wyoming. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as is non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Illinois. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. 1-888-799-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-877-70-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny four six. Seven three six nine in New York, Tennessee Red Line, one eight hundred eight eight nine nine seven eight nine in Tennessee, one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming, or visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Check out Canty and Carlin weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. It is Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. I'm Matt Jones. He's Braden Gall. We are excited because they've been fighting in the preseason. Patriots and Panthers, oh two straight days of fights. Love it. And a Panther, a Patriots-Panthers preseason game, well, that might now be a hot ticket. And hot tickets are brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats rewards are your ticket to more tickets. That's nice. Vivid Seats, life happens live. Mike Reese is ESPN's Patriots reporter. You know, I like a good fight, a good skirmish, people grabbing the helmet, hitting each other. What happened these last two days? Is it anything more than boys will be boys, or do these teams really hate each other uh, in honor of Jake DeLone? There you go. Hey, Matt. Hey, Braden. Um, you know, I think I would sum it up this way. When you get these joint practices, you you got to find a sweet spot. Like every team practices at a different tempo, and so it's sort of like finding that middle ground that, that works for both teams. And it was just a struggle, in my view, for the Patriots and the Panthers to find that middle ground. I was shocked today after what had unfolded yesterday um, that they would be dealing with the same issues 
And Matt, I know you do like the wrestling. I was sort of watching a clip that a fan posted on on the big hit that Dietrich Wise, the Patriots lineman, put on Christian McCaffrey and what resulted after it. I mean, it looked like a battle royal uh, from your WWE days. You had some big (laughs) foot stomps. You know, they were stomping on Dietrich Wise. And I mean, it looked like a free for all out there. Uh, Mike Mike Tannenbaum said on Get Up today that Mac Jones could be an MVP candidate. I, I'm curious is 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 the pressure inside the facility and from Patriots fans on Mac Jones to be a star and to be the next and to take the next step in his development? Is that just something that's happening at, at the national level? How do Patriots fans? How much pressure are they putting on Mac Jones? So I you know and Mike Tannenbaum, one thing I would say, I mean, he was right on with Justin Herbert, right? So like credibility yeah. plus when he's talking on this topic. Um, you know, I don't view the pressure on Mac coming from Patriots fans. I would say the pressure probably more on Bill Belichick in terms of how he sort of assembled the offensive coaching staff to, to take advantage of Mac, you know, in the second year, you always hope a player makes that big jump in the second year and you lose Josh McDaniels, an elite play caller. He's taken an unconventional approach by, you know, having Joe judge coach quarterbacks and Matt Patricia coach the offensive line and, and, uh, you know, be what looks like the primary play caller up to this point. So in terms of the pressure on Mac, like I, I think it's probably more on, the coaches and can they get that out of Mac more than on Mac just getting there on his own? How do you suspect it's going to go with Belichick, Judge, Patricia in terms of calling plays and really, I mean, I, I, somebody's got to be in charge. And at some point, who do you think that will be and how do you expect the play calling to go when they play this Friday night? It's truly unbelievable because I, I believe that Mac Jones and the players have no idea where it's going to go like really? the more I talk around yeah like that and, and 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 in one respect it doesn't surprise me you know covering the Patriots because this is sort of the way Bill Belichick operates but in, in another it sort of does you know and and Bill Belichick obviously has an end point in mind I would say to this point what I've observed it would be Matt Patricia as the leading candidate just because when I'm watching practice guys he's got the walkie-talkie and he's the primary voice in Max Helmet. And unless you're going to pull a switch and go to Joe Judge or even Bill Belichick himself, um, to me right now that the arrows point to Patricia. But I think we got to leave it open ended because if the players themselves don't know, you know, I think there's got to be some question there still. Michael, the supporting cast around him, like I'm a big fan of Johnu Smith and some of the other pieces, but they don't feel like they've got a lot of star power. Along the same lines of who's calling plays and designing the offense, do. Uh, or do you have confidence in this organization developing all those pieces around Mac Jones to allow him to flourish in a passing offense? I do. I think it's probably a little bit understated. I, 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 like you said, maybe not the stars at each position, you know, skill position on offense. They had a lot of good talent in my view, like Devontae Parker, who they acquired in a trade from the Dolphins. He's had, a, in my view, a very good training camp and preseason, a lot of contested catches. Um, pair him with Nelson Aguilar, who had the play of the day today. Jacoby Myers, their leading receiver. Kendrick Bourne is back. Second-round pick Tyquan Thornton. Like To me, that's a capable receiving core that reminds me 
of their early 2000s teams when Tom Brady was a young quarterback. Maybe didn't have the stars, but they, the totality of their skill position players was good. Same with tight end. Like you mentioned, John U. Smith, Hunter Henry's there, and their running backs are good. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson. So I, I don't think it's a talent issue. I truly believe it's going to come back to that coaching topic. I'll get you out with this real quick. I know it's not your team, but you saw the uh, Panthers playing. Baker, Darnold, is it is it going to be Baker? I mean, you get the sense that's that's what it is. One hundred percent. I mean, if it isn't Baker Mayfield, I would be shocked. And how about that? Putting my chips right into the middle of the table and leaving <laughs> no percentages for anything else. And and to be honest, guys, that's not because of anything I saw the la- the last two days. To me, it just seems so obvious that I'd be shocked if it goes, you know, in the other direction. All right. Mike Reese, ESPN's Patriots reporter, giving us all the info and even throwing a little wrestling knowledge. That's what I like to hear. Appreciate it, Mike. All right. Thanks, guys. There you go. Well, 100%, Jonesy. What do you think about that? I like that. We need to teach Acho to to follow (laughs) that path and actually, you know, take a stand. Well, I'll tell you what else we're going to take a stand about. It's like – for the second straight day, we're all talking about Mike. Did Mike say something crazy? We'll tell you what Mike and what crazy. That's next. It's Candy and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Check out Canty and Carlin weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. It is Canty and Carlin, and we are here uh, deciding whether or not we're old, Matt Jones and Brady Gall. And the reason we're <laughs> yes, doing that yes, is 15 years ago today, a movie was released. It was called Superbad, and it was a wonderful comedic flick, uh, a lot of which was sort of you know, juvenile humor, but uh, we are juvenile. And now, 15 years ago late today, it was released. What is your favorite super bad oh, memory, Braden, when I say it besides McLeod? Uh, I'm going to say just cargo shorts and just stop. I'm just going to say cargo shorts, and I'm not going to finish the joke because I'd like to continue doing ESPN radio. So uh, I'm not – most of those jokes you can't quote on the air. I'm not going to – I think I paid twice to go see Superbad in the theater. I, do, is there a twice. movie that you – is there a movie that you've ever paid for to go see a second time in the theater? Oh, before? yeah, I've done that with a lot of movies. I, I, I have a theater that's like 30, 30 yards from my house, so oh, I go nice. quite a bit. But I, I, I think Superbad does give you the whole McLovin thing. I'm not sure how many characters in movies can you just say one of their names and everyone just starts laughing. One just name? One name? Mc- McLovin. That's all like all you got to do is say McLovin and then people laugh. And I think that's a very unique thing about oh, Superbad is how it has this one joke that uh, just but just this picture like I can picture him in my head yeah, right yeah. now. And if I saw him on the street, I would be excited. So 
So I am also a juvenile delinquent who appreciates uh, complete garbage humor. Like, I, I love that movie. The problem, like, is it a brilliant movie because we can't quote it on the air? Or is, like, a movie like Airplane brilliant, more brilliant because we can yeah, quote it on the just air? A, I like Airplane, but Airplane's just old. But I would say, you know, you were talking about movies that sort of stay in your heart. There's a generation of people who Superbad is sort of the movie of their childhood. What's the yeah. movie of your childhood that when you think back you go, that's the movie that sort of made my comedic views? So, it, like, it's probably something in the Ferris Bueller day off kind of deal. Yeah, you're Some, old, something, though. Something, yeah. well, I'm the ex- almost the same age as you, brother. I, it's more but about the summer an old blockbuster. Soul. Yeah, exactly. I, the summer blockbuster was the thing that stuck with me from my childhood. Because like I was like Jurassic Park was the big one I think that came out like in yeah. the middle of the summertime and I was like ten or twelve years old and like all the everybody in the group wanted to go see it and we couldn't wait to go see it and that was some to some extent that was super bad in college for me. Um, what about you? What, what's what, what about you? Uh, I would say from a comedic standpoint, it's Billy Madison and the whole uh, and and uh, you know Happy Gilmore, the whole Adam Sandler catalog. I Swan. celebrate all of it. Quit looking because at me, Swan. That was, of all the impressions I've ever heard, that was definitely one of them. But yes, love Adam Sandler. Hey, Greg, why don't you go f*** your pants again? That was like eight years ago. People don't forget. People don't forget. It's Candy and Carla presented by Progressive Insurance. Braden Gall, Matt Jones. I wasn't expecting that intro, not going to lie to you. Threw me off a little bit. I was about to hit the dump button. But we are here ready to get going. You know, every uh, every day it feels like we are taking someone whose name is Mike uh, that works at ESPN and we're saying, I can't believe they said that. I think it's a prerequisite. If your name is Mike, you have to say something that go, go on, get up and say something crazy. Michael Irvin did it the other day and said he thought the Cowboys could be as good as the 72 Dolphins if they just didn't have any penalties, which was insane. And now today... <laughs> Mike Tannenbaum, he's ESPN's NFL front office insider and someone I usually consider very rational. He had this to say, and it threw me off. Because he had a great year last year. He stood toe-to-toe with Tom Brady, got his team to the playoffs, played well in the playoff game, and they have a great offensive line, two really good running backs, two excellent tight ends, and an underrated receiving core. They brought over Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers. They're going to be better at receiver than people think. And I do think the play calling situation, which we made a lot out of, will work itself out, led by Matt Patricia. So when it's all said and done, Mac Jones is the second best quarterback in the AFC East. They're going to go to the playoffs and they're going to exceed expectations. That would have been a lot better had I told you he was talking about Mac Jones at the beginning, but maybe you had to guess the whole way through what he was talking about. (laughs) But Mac Jones as a potential MVP candidate, I think that's insanity. Part of it is because his name is close to mine, and I don't like that people get it confused, but also because what in the world has he done to make it seem like he should be an MVP candidate? I mean, what's the most memorable thing from Mac Jones' rookie season in the NFL? The game in which he didn't throw any passes? Like that, that's, Isn't that the most memorable moment? Like I think he had, what, two passes or three passes in that game against Buffalo, right? Like that, that is the most memorable thing. Now, I believe in Mac Jones. I think he's very talented. I think he's going to be a player in the league for a while. He certainly has landed in the right spot with Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But that was a lot of – there's a lot of first-round picks on other teams in their receiving core. They, they, they've got some nice pieces. I don't – Mac Jones is, what, the 13th best quarterback in the AFC? The 12th best quarterback? The 10th best quarterback in the AFC? 
What, where is he on the list? He's very good. I don't. I don't. MVP candidate seems a, a bit. I don't know why we have to make everybody an MVP candidate. Like, like, let's be real. They're not. Everyone is not an MVP candidate. You can be really good and not be an MVP candidate. It's the same thing that happens, like. In baseball, the debate about is somebody a Hall of Famer? And they, in the NBA, they want to put everybody in the Hall of Fame. Like, you can be really good and not be an MVP candidate. Mac Jones, if he's an MVP candidate, Braden, everyone's an MVP candidate, right? right. Like, why, yeah. why in yep. the world – if he's an MVP candidate, why isn't Trevor Lawrence? I mean, why isn't Zach Wilson? I mean, I he, he had a good year, but he was on a better team than these other guys. And there was never a moment – there's never been a moment in my life I've watched Mac Jones play – play and said you know what one of these days I'm going to tell my children about this moment like it's just not something that comes up and I don't think that's what what he's about now here's my question though for you are the are the Patriots as a team with Mac Jones going to be better and make a second year bump that that is I think a far more interesting question because he did say in that cut Mike Tannenbaum said that he thinks they're the second best quarterback in the AFC East and they're going to win that they're going to finish second behind Buffalo in the division well that would include Tua and a newly revamped Dolphins offense, right, with all those new weapons and Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill and all these other pieces. Uh, so I, I just look at that that AFC and I go, all right, could all four teams from the AFC West get in? Yes, but I think it's more likely that the Patriots get in over four from one division. So, well, but, one you're, team, but you're skipping the AFC North. I mean, you don't think there's at least two out of that division with the with the Bengals, the Browns, and the Ravens? So that is the that to me it comes down to. The fourth team in the West, a second team in the in the in the North, right? Whether that's I would vote, oh God, I think I'd probably pick the Ravens to win the division. I'd go Cincinnati two, so I think both of those two could make it. I think only one comes out of the South. I think that's the Titans. The Colts could certainly win that division, but I would go Titans. And then I I think it's unlikely that four teams from a division can have this the, enough winning percentage to get in. They're going to play each other and beat each other up. So I, that leaves what Cincinnati versus New England for the last spot, probably. Yeah, and I I. I but my view about it is, even if they make it, they're not going to matter. I mean, what were they? The what seed were they last year? They were the six, I think. Right, Pittsburgh sixth. was the seven. I think. I think they're probably the sixth or the seventh again this year. So I think they're essentially the same team at best. But you know, I think there's. You're exactly right. You're talking about either the fourth team from the West, which is probably the Raiders. You're talking about either the Bengals or the Ravens, and then you're talking about them. Maybe even talking about the Colts. I just that any of those teams, however, are really going to matter in any relative sense. So it is what it is. Now, of those teams that we just mentioned, the sort of wild card teams, which one do you think has the best chance to pull a Cincinnati and if they get in as a wild card, make their way to the Super Bowl? Well, this this is a cop-out answer, so don't go full Sam Macho on me, Jonesy, okay? But it's Cincinnati. Don't say all of them. Okay, it's cin- no, it's say, Cincinnati. Cin- who's got yeah. the best chance to be Cincinnati? Cincinnati. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, again, if you pick the Bengals to win the division, then I would vote for Baltimore. If Lamar Jackson is healthy and all those weapons around him are healthy and the defense is back to being where it's supposed to be with all those guys back healthy, then I think Baltimore is a really, really dangerous team. But Cincinnati, if they finish second, would be my vote on that. It would not be the Colts. It would not be the Broncos. It would not be the Patriots that I would pick to make that run in the postseason. It's the guy who has the, who has the star quarterback. You have to have a game changer at that position. And if it's Joe Burrow, sure. If it's Lamar Jackson, maybe. Uh, Russell Wilson, I guess. Derek Carr, maybe. Uh, well, I could see it being whichever of those teams comes in second in the West. They think it's yeah. the charge. I mean, you got to remember, Cincinnati – I worry because I want Cincinnati to be good. They're right here next to where I live. But I worry that the whole Cincinnati thing, they got 
they played great, but they got really fortunate, right? And and sort of making it to where I think they were two years ahead of the curve last year, and they're probably one year ahead this year, but the expectations are through the roof because of what happened last year. I mean, they easily could have lost that first game to they, the they Raiders, nine, at which point. They give up nine sacks to the Titans and won a football game. You're not supposed to be able to do that. And then the Chiefs were the Chiefs were beating them by a thousand at halftime, right. and then they made right. a stupid play, and next thing right. you know, they don't win. So I I, I think I do think the team most likely to potentially recreate that would be like the Chargers, a team that gets yep. in the playoffs, gets hot, has the same kind of thing, a young quarterback. To me, Braden, that would be the one. But the team, the surprise team to go to the Super Bowl this year will be out of the NFC, I believe, because it's going to be, in my opinion, wide open. Yep. San Francisco, watch out. San Francisco wins the Super Bowl this year. Watch out. With Trey Lance? There you go. That, that's Wow. They, they've got every statement. other piece. They've got every other piece in place. They've been close multiple times. If Trey Lance is just mildly better than Jimmy Garoppolo and he gets there well, by the end not, of the season. Though. Jimmy Garoppolo it, is underrated. And Canty wow. and Carlin is underrated as well. And it's also presented by Progressive Insurance, which is properly rated as the best place for drivers who switch and save. Because with Progressive, you can save over $700 on average, we have big news from one of the biggest stars in sports and life. That's next.